Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. Are y'all ready for the Bible? All right, I'm going to open up with Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5, where it says, Love the Lord your God with all. Would you say all? All right, but we're going to do it with like, a, like kind of that extended all, because all is like an all-encompassing word, right? So love the Lord with all. All right, all. I appreciate you all playing along with me. With all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Let's take a moment. Let's pray today. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to come and to worship you, Lord. We respect you. We respect your presence. We love you in this place. And Lord, today, each one of us want to hear from you. God, you just have a way of being able to speak to each one of us right where we are at. And we ask you to do so. And we um, invite you to do so. Lord, we love you and we worship you. We love your word. We love who you are. And we just want to hear from you. Lord, I ask for the empowerment and the leading of your spirit, God, to share what you've put in my heart today. We thank you for your word and the authority of it. It's in your name I pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So we're going to dive into, um, in the beginning here, an Old Testament story about two guys named Cain and Abel this morning. Um, Cain and Abel are the sons of Adam and Eve, and we're going to be in Genesis chapter 4. And uh, this is not the story that you want written about your sons, I can tell you that. But Genesis 4 verse 1 says this, now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. You know, there's a lot of theories about this story because um, you've got two brothers, Cain and Abel, and um, they both give an offering. And one is looked at with favor and the other one's not looked at with favor. And folks are kind of like, well, like, what's up? What's the reason why the one offering was good and the other one wasn't? One of the um, theories that's not really a good one was that because one of the offerings was produced from the soil and the other was the death of an animal, like that's what set them apart. But um, when you look further in the scripture, it doesn't really make a lot of sense because in the covenant of the law, they allowed for both kinds of offerings, right? Um, and so the fact that Abel took care of flocks and he gave from his flocks made it acceptable. And the, flag, the fact that Cain worked the ground and so he gave from the fruit of the soil would also be considered acceptable. But there was a problem with Cain's offering. And the problem is actually more simple than that. Cain brought, simply, fruits from the soil. Just, you know, pretty straightforward. But Abel brought the fatted portions And he also brought the firstborn of his flock. Abel brought to the Lord the best that he had to offer, and Cain just brought an offering. You know, nothing nothing indicating that it was the best or the first fruits. You know, and so what we have is we have Cain, who basically kept the best part for himself. 
Later on in Scripture, we see principles like first fruits and that kind of thing. It doesn't say that. It just says Cain just gave some fruit. It's like, oh, look, i got to you know, give my offering to the Lord, so let me gather some, some fruits of the soil, some of the stuff that I've grown, and I'll give it to the Lord. And where Abel gave the very best portion to the Lord. And that's what love does, right? Love wants to give the very best of themselves, right? That's what devotion looks like, is giving your very best. And Cain's heart wasn't in the offering. He was trying to pacify God, if you will. And that's not what really what worship is, right? Like, like when we come together on a Sunday morning, we're not like trying to like check our box so that we're like, well, maybe I can have a good week this week because I went by the house of the Lord today and I'm sure he knew I was there, right? Um, not to disrespect the fact of showing up, but there's something about our hearts that God is looking for, right? More than just pacifying with, well, I guess the Lord would like me to write him a check this week. Well, I guess the Lord would like me to do something for him this week. And there's something about a heart that wants to give, a heart that wants to, to show devotion. This story takes like a crazy turn. It doesn't tell us exactly how much time takes place and that kind of thing. But you remember where we left off was um, the Lord says to Cain, sin is crouching at your door. Uh, it's the Lord's way of saying, you're about to go into a place that you don't want to go. And of course, the next verse is Cain is going to murder his brother, right? It's the first murder recorded is this murder right here, a brother killing his brother. Verse eight says this, now Cain said to his brother, look, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother? I love these questions that the Lord asks. Where is your brother? It kind of reminds me of Adam and Eve. Where are you, right? When they're hiding from him, like the Lord doesn't know, right? Hey, Cain, where's your brother? And I love this reply. Obviously does not know who the Lord is, right? I don't know, he replied. Am I my brother's keeper? I love that. Am I my brother? Well, actually, yes. The answer is yes, you are your brother's keeper. Um, I tell you, I look at this and I think like, yikes, like just the coldness of this murder. And then it's like, I don't know where he is. You're God. You made him. Am I his keeper? Aren't you his God? I'm not his God. I'm like just cold-blooded, right? Verse 10, then the Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground which opens its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Man, a restless wanderer. Doesn't that, that sounds terrible. Um, And honestly, in the world around us, there's a lot of restlessness, isn't there? You can feel restless, people looking for some kind of satisfaction or meaning and that's what restlessness looks like. Cain responds in verse 13. He says, Cain says to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Today you are driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. I will be a restless wanderer on the earth and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. The Lord will put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out 
from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Now, the consequences um, were a couple fold here for, for Cain. One, it says that you're, you're, he's, the Lord is driving him from the land and that this, the ground will no longer produce fruit from him and, for him. And, you know, that, that consequence was basically Cain's livelihood, right? It is the thing that he probably loved to do, uh, was work the ground and see the fruit and all of that. He obviously liked the fruit. He kept the best for himself, right? Um, and so he loses his livelihood in this moment. And, and the Lord's like, it doesn't matter if you work the ground or not. It's not going to produce for you anymore. But then there's another consequence in here. It's, and Cain recognizes it. He says, I will be hidden from your presence. And so he also lost, if you will, the Lord. He lost the ability to be in the presence of the Lord. And, and Cain um, is now concerned about that. And he's recognizing it. Like, you're driving me from your presence. And I, don't, I think what happened is I, I don't think that Cain fully appreciated the presence of the Lord that he already had until he lost it. And honestly, that was the biggest loss. The biggest loss was being driven from the Lord's presence. And I think if he had really appreciated, you know, the presence of the Lord and really appreciated what he already had, he would have already been giving the best of who he was. But I think he took it for granted. Cain, he wanted to be around God, but he didn't love God. Y'all follow that? Like he knew, like, like I want to be in God's presence. I don't want to be driven from him. But, but love is deeper than wanting to be around someone. It is an expression to that one that you love. And, God, and, and Cain's like, hey, I'm good with being around you, but my devotion is only but so deep. I think Abel, I think he loved God, and he loved God's presence, and his offering showed it. And here's what's scary to me when I read this story, because sometimes when we read this story, we put Cain and we go like, Cain, you're so terrible and you're murdering your brother and shame on you. And we, th we think we're all able, right? Like, like, I give the best all the time. And you know, that's, I'm definitely not Cain in this story, right? But here's, here's what's scary to me is that we can have the presence of God and take it for granted. And we can give less of ourselves to the Lord than what he deserves. I love that song that we sang today. Um, you can have my, you know, my heart, you know, that, that concept that God can have my, my whole heart. And that scripture that I read to you at the beginning, to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your, all your strength. And the thing is, though, is that Cain did give an offering. And so it makes you go, huh. Like Cain gave an offering but it wasn't looked at with favor, which is a very interesting statement. It wasn't that God said, I reject your offer. He says, I don't look at your offer with favor. I look at your brother's offer with favor. And so it's like, okay, so it's not about the offering, but it is about the offering. And what I mean about that is it's not about the offering, it's about the heart, right? But it is about the offering because the offering, offering indicates the heart condition. Can I share that with you again? It's not about the, the offering, it's really about the heart, but it's, it is about the offering because the offering indicates the condition of the heart. And so it makes me go, okay, Lord, like, 
I want my offering to you to represent how I feel about you and represent something about my love for you. And I want it to be commensurate. And I, I love that scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart. I feel like that's such a challenge, right? Like when I'm really honest, don't get me wrong. I love God. I love him. And I am so thankful for him. But there are times when I go, am I too comfortable with the Lord and just take his love for granted? Or do I really appreciate how much he has loved me and what he has already done for me? And, and the fact that he would care for me so deeply and that, that kind of response to the Lord that would be very deep to him. And so it makes me question like, all right, so what does my, my offering look like to the Lord, right? And there's different kinds of offerings, right? There's like the financial offering, like, you know, the, do I give the Lord the best portion or do I give the Lord kind of like what's left over in the account kind of thing? Um, and I would say the, the, it'd be kind of like if I had guests over to my house or if I had the Lord over to my house and Jesus came over and I said, Jesus, welcome. We're going to feed you because you're in my house, right? And I went, I have got some amazing leftovers in the fridge. And I've got this microwave. You are going to love what I prepare for you, right? I mean, I don't know about you, but like if Jesus comes to the house, we ain't doing leftovers, right? Even if we've got to make a Sam's run, a Costco run, or, you know, an Aldi run, whatever, we getting Jesus something fresh, right? Kill the fatted calf, baby. Jesus is here, right? Um, and so, of course, like I'm not going to, I'm not going to give him what's left over. The other side of that is like, once you pre I prepare a meal or prepare something for the Lord, I don't go, Jesus, we have, at, at, um, what was it, um, our, our couples group the other night, grill, couples grill and chill the other day, we had um, hamburgers. And uh, we, we realized, by the way, if you were at couples grill and, grill and chill, we realized afterwards that we left the cheese in the refrigerator. We had tons, we still have tons of cheese at my house. Um, so I apologize for not giving you our best. Um, they were good burgers. It was like something is cheese. Um, but it would be like preparing the meal and then jumping ahead of the line and saying, I'm going to take mine first. Like you wouldn't do that for the Lord, right? You would want him to receive the first and the best. And that's really the principle that was practiced in the, under the covenant of the law was first fruits and the fatted portion. It was like, you give the Lord the very best because he's worthy of the best. You don't give the Lord the best because he needs it. Amen? He doesn't need it. He's not needy, right? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He's not going, man, how am I going to make my next mortgage payment? He owns it all. We, we worship him with acts of devotion and gifts because he's worthy of it, not because of need. Now, in the kingdom, from a practical standpoint, like when we give our finances and stuff, it goes to needs and it meets needs and it meets needs here and it meets needs around the world and, and all that kind of stuff. Like there's a real kingdom purpose, don't get me wrong. And, and, but I'm talking about our worship devotion to the Lord this morning. And the, what portion of my heart and devotion do I give to him? I think about my time. You know, maybe quantity is not always the best measure because, you know, 
you work and you, you have all these things going on in life. And of course, we do all of these things unto the Lord, but quantity is a measure. Like how much time does the Lord get my full attention in a week? You know, like giving him my attention, giving him my devotion. Quality though is definitely a great measure all the time, right? The depth of the interaction and the intentionality of the time that I give him. And you know, time is that fixed thing that it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how much you have, how little you have. It doesn't matter if you're tall. It doesn't matter if you're short. It doesn't matter anything about you. Everyone has the same amount of time in a day. And that time is this thing that we steward. And I know about you, but there is never enough time for all the things that I want to do. How about you? There's never enough time. But we are all solving the same problem, right? We all have um, this, this same fixed amount and we have more than we want to do. And so it becomes a stewardship thing of how much do I want to use this time for the various things? And I, I would encourage you to rule over your time. Don't let it rule over you. Amen? Like, like when it comes to your time, you go, well, I have to and I have to and I have to and I have to. At the end of the day, there are choices that you make about what you have to, right? Even if there are radical changes in your life, your time is yours and you're the one who rules over it, right? And by golly, God is worthy of some of our time. And it's so simple, right? I mean, you're here right now. You're spending time with the Lord. You're watching online right now. Like, it's like I'm setting this time aside to spend with the Lord because he is worthy of my heart and worthy of my life. And I want to draw closer to him and worship him. Amen? And I think during our week, just those prayers and the time in the word and, and time in worship and just setting aside those times. And, and I got to tell you, if you are a young family, God bless you because that is, I mean, you've got even more pull on you, don't you? Because there are kids that wake up early in the morning and kids who don't want to go up at night, it's like they're after your sleep. You shall not sleep. And you're like, oh, but you shall sleep. And it's this tug of war that is going on. I remember for years when Elizabeth and I were first having our children um, and we would go to work to church on Sunday morning, um, they did not start the toddler class until after worship was over. And so for the first several years of our marriage, it was just who was not going to worship that day, right? Because we're holding Andrew or holding Abigail or Caleb and Ethan and um, all of them, right? It's like, Actually, when, actually, when, when we uh, when we came here and we had and um, you know Caleb was was last in line, which means you know he gets all the stuff his brothers and sisters never got, just testing their all, all their hearts. Um, because we were here and pastoring, like by that time, and Ethan really, Ethan was one. Um, Elizabeth had to isolate me from the kids on Sunday morning for a couple hours. She's like, well, you actually have to do something right now. And so, bless her heart, for years she was just like keeping the kids you know, so that I could have that, that time. But, you know, that struggle is an age-old struggle, that struggle with time. And I just want to encourage you to rule over your time and to do with your time what you want to do with it. And whatever you're giving to the Lord, to do it intentionally, right? You don't have to spend four hours in prayer. If you want to spend four hours in prayer, that's amazing. God bless you, you liar. Um, but... <laughs> I'm sorry, you're not a liar. I know, you pray all day long, and I, I hear you, you're not a liar, um, probably, um, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I can't even say it. Um, but what you have with the Lord, you know, really treasure it. 
really contend for it and really give it to him. I love that it says that Jesus, he, what, he never did anything that he didn't see the Father doing. And it talks about how he, he went away into solitary places to pray, as was his habit. There was something about Jesus, our Jesus, who just needed to be with the Father. And there's something about that that changes the dynamic of our day. And I've got to tell you, the Lord is jealous for you. His love for you, he delights when you make that time for him. And, it, and that time, whether you're in prayer, whether you're reading your Bible, just pushing everything out and just giving him something that's just for him is really precious to him. And I just want to encourage you, like think of that as an offering to the Lord, right? When you crack open your Bible or you do a devotion or you spend a little time in prayer, think about that concept of this is an offering that I am bringing to the Lord today and I am going to give him the best. Not that meeting at two o'clock that I know I've got to be on for. The first person I'm going to be on for is the Lord. And I don't mean on like you got to perform. I just mean present because he loves it when you are present. Because when you are present, he knows that he is welcome to be present. Because the Lord inhabits the praises of his people. Another area is for us is service, right? Where we give our gifts and our talents to the kingdom of God. And, and I just want to encourage you, like we all have gifts and abilities and work and that kind of stuff. And you work as unto the Lord, amen, right? Um, that's why you don't give a bad attitude to your boss because you're like, I'm going to treat you like you're Jesus. Even though you are far from Jesus, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to serve you like I am serving the Lord. That's scripture for you, okay? But there is something about having some of your talents and gifts and saying, Lord, these are for you in your kingdom. And I'm going to do these specific things to serve you and to serve your kingdom. And they don't have to be fancy. It can be sweeping the floor. It can be taking out the trash. It can be welcoming someone as they come into the building on a Sunday morning. It can be teaching a kid's class. There are so many ways. It can be going and, and helping your neighbor and sharing Jesus with them. Like There's so many ways that you can use your gifts to serve the Lord. And if you're like, you know, I need to find a way to use my gifts and serve. Actually, I said that and there goes Marie out the door preparing family meal for right after church, right? You didn't have to go now. Um, in the foyer, though, there's a serve board. If you're like, I want to serve somewhere around the house of the Lord, like there's all kinds of teams and ways that you can serve. They're, the person who leads that team, their phone number is on there, and you can just reach out to them and say, put me to work. I'm here to do something for you. But where I'm going with this today is what does our offering indicate about our heart? What do you want your offering to say about your heart towards the Lord? And I, this story about Cain and Abel is so interesting to me because they both gave an offering. And it, it doesn't say that Cain's offering was rejected. It was just that his wasn't looked at with favor. And I thought, man, I, I want my offering to be looked at with favor not because I want the credit and the points, but because I want to have that impact on the heart of God. Amen? So I want to jump to a New Testament story that I feel like is really um, encouraging, where it's a story of devotion and transformation. And it's the story about a wee little man. A wee little man was he, and his name was Zacchaeus. Uh, there's a song. It's a good song. Maybe I'll sing it. We'll see. Uh, Luke 19.1 says this, Jesus 
entered, in, entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was the chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. I couldn't resist. See, right? Um, to see him since the Lord was coming that way. I just, I love Zacchaeus's passion in this story. And, you know, the original language indicates that um, not only did Zacchaeus want to see the Lord, he had been wanting to see the Lord for quite a while. And like this was now his opportunity. It says in the scripture coming in that Jesus was passing through Jericho. You don't even get the impression that Jesus had made big plans to stop in Jericho. It looks like he was passing through Jericho. And here's Zacchaeus. He didn't care about the fact that everybody hated him because he's the chief tax collector. But he ran. He climbs this tree just so that he could see Jesus. Luke 19, 5. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Now, y'all, there were a lot of people around Jesus. There were crowds around Jesus, but there was one man who was running. And there was one man who was climbing the tree that we know of. There's one man who was desperate to see Jesus and he had an elevation disadvantage to see Jesus. And he was like, nothing is going to stop me from seeing Jesus. I love this amount of devotion. It was, you know, very abnormal for someone uh, to invite themselves over to your house in that day. Um, it was very, very normal to say, come to my house, but you never invited yourself over to someone's house. If you want to invite yourself over, invite yourself over to Brenda's. She does a great job cooking. She's a great host, but just know that you ain't Jesus. Um, so it wasn't normal for Jesus to invite himself. It's the only time in scripture we see him doing this, but you know, the, the Lord goes where he's welcome. And the Lord goes where he's wanted. And the Lord goes where he is worshipped. And that's what we do in this house of worship, right? When we come into this place, we welcome him. We want the Lord to be here. You know, our prayer team on Sunday morning, we're always praying about the atmosphere of this place. Lord, we, we want you to visit this place. Lord, we don't take you for granted. We know you're going to be here, but we want you to know we want you in this place. Lord, let our hearts come ready to worship you, ready to show devotion. Let us come, Lord, wanting to meet with you because there's something about expectation that God loves to meet. There's something about hunger that God loves to meet. And when our hearts are more passive and like, well, yeah, we're here and we're a great club and we, we get along okay and you know, we're glad that the Lord shows up, that's the level in which the Lord shows up, if that makes sense. There may be moves of, this, of his spirit. There may be times that he moves and that's really his way of saying, I wanna get a little uh, wind into these, into these um, sails, if you will. But there's something about our desire and our passion that the Lord meets, amen? One of the things that's wonderful about a youth camp is it is an atmosphere where a bunch of 12 to 18-year-olds 
are just absolutely focused on God for several days of their life. And the way that God encounters them is just really powerful. And expectation has something to do with it. And that, that kind of heart that just says, you know, we've put aside time, we've put aside money, we've put a lot of effort into this. It's a lot of fun as well. And, you know, we come to this place and we worship the Lord and that makes him welcome because it is his house. This ain't our house. This is his house. Amen? And, you know, I, I think that our homes are the same way. I want my home to be a place where he is welcome. I want my home to be a place where God knows that he is wanted in my home. Amen? I want my home to be a place where he is worshipped and where his presence can come to my home. Not, not in, an, in an omnipresent kind of way. Of course, the Lord is everywhere and he sees everything, but in a manifest presence kind of way. I want his presence in my house. I want him to be there. So Luke 19, 7, it says, all the people saw and began to mutter. I had no idea I'd been preaching to y'all for 30 minutes. Sorry, I was shocked. I, anyhow, I normally end around 30 minutes, but I got a little to go, so here we go. Um, all the people saw this and began to mutter. He, was gone, he, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and he said to the Lord, y'all, y'all feel this, right? Like people are like, chiding this guy, you know, saying, hey, you're a, you're a guest of, of, of Jesus and you're a sinner and this shouldn't be, like they're all against him. And what does this do? He, do, do? He, he stands up, right? Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Lord, or he says, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anyone out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Bold play, Zacchaeus. Jesus said to him, today, salvation has come to this house. Because this man too, a son of Abraham, for the son of man came to seek and save the lost. I love this story because Zacchaeus experiences this transformation. He goes from a hunger about the Lord, a desire for the Lord. Uh, I'll look like a fool just so I can put my eyes on Jesus to Jesus, recognizing that hunger, recognizing that desire and saying, I'm coming to your house today. And Zacchaeus is in this place where, I mean, he is in a, a corrupt profession where basically he's got a quota to meet for uh, Caesar and then the rest that he can get, he can get for himself and he's a chief tax collector. He is not liked, he's not loved, he's not respected. This dude, uh, nobody appreciates him or what he does, right? And yet there's something in him that is so transformed that money, if you wondered if money was his God, it just fell. I give half of what I have to the poor. I think that was an act of generosity and I think it was an act of worship. And then he says, anyone I've cheated, I will give four times back. And that was his repentance. That was his, anything I've done wrong, I'm going to make it right, and I'm going to pay it back. There was something in the man that wanted to be clean. There was something about being around Jesus that made him want to be different. And his, his mouth was writing some very big checks that day. But his offering was looked at with favor. And Jesus looks at him and says, today salvation has come to you. And I would say to you today, all of us need a little Zacchaeus in our heart. 
pardon the pun, a little Zacchaeus in our heart. But I was writing it out. I was like, oh, that's a pun. Okay, yeah, I didn't even know it. Um, but we need a passion to be with Jesus, a passion to see Jesus, a passion to be around Jesus, and a willingness to give whatever is necessary just to be in the room with him. And the reality is he paid the price so that you could be with him, right? I mean, this isn't, this isn't some ungodly idolatrous where we're like trying to stroke checks to try to get in the room with Jesus. No, really what matters is the heart, right? And the reality is he's paid the debt. He's gone to the cross and paid for our sin. He's given us this way for a new life. And so our response to him is the only thing that we can own. And our response to him is the thing that we should own and say, Lord, you are worthy of my worship you are worthy of my offering. You are worthy of my devotion. And the things that I give you, whether it be my time or my service or my devotional, uh, devotion to you, my money to you, Lord, I want it to indicate something about my heart. And that's not always bigger is better. Do you all hear me? It's best is better. The fatted portion was the best part of it, right? The firstborn was the firstborn, the, the very first of the fruit of the animals that were, you know, yielding uh, more animals, if you will. The first was that first part, you know, and, and the concept of first fruits was that first fruit that comes on the tree, not taking it for yourself, but giving it to the Lord, right? And that's why, like, in principle, when I write my, like, my budget, I make my tithe and offering the first part, right? And, like, the, the concept of when we give our time to the Lord, like, I just want him to have the best quality parts of me and my devotion. And I would, you know, great challenge this week is, is, yes, work as unto the Lord with all your heart this week, but give God better quality time than you would even give your boss. Amen? I'm not saying to lower what you would give your boss. Just saying, give God something that's worthy of him this, this week. Amen? Would you stand with me today? I'm going to close by reading that scripture to you. Deuteronomy 6.5 is actually the most famous scripture of all time of, of the faith uh, throughout the Old Testament. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And uh, I'm just going to ask the Lord, Lord, help us to love you well, to love you with devotion. And um, as I'm about to close in prayer, I'm going to invite the prayer team folks to come forward. And if you want prayer for anything today, I want to encourage you to receive prayer today. One of the things that I really sensed during worship today is that there are some folks here today where you really need God to move in your life. There's something that needs to change. There's something that needs to shift. And God wants you to ask him. He wants you to ask him for what he needs, what you need, because he cares about what you need. And he wants you to verbalize it to him. Like, God, I need this relationship to change. God, I need this financial situation to shift. God, I need wisdom in this circumstance. I want you to know, if that's you today, God sees you. God knows what you're walking through. And he has answers for you. And I just want to encourage you to come and receive prayer. Have somebody pray with you in faith today because he cares about what you're walking through. Let's pray today. Father, we love you today. We thank you, God, for being so good. And today, Lord, what we say is you are worthy of the best parts of us. God, your word challenges us today. Challenges us not just to give you, but to give you the best part. 
And we just say, Lord, you are our first love. Lord, you are worthy of it all. And so, Lord, as we give you the best, may it represent that you have it all. All of our heart, all of our soul, all of our strength. Father, we can never love you and worship you as well as you love us. But God, we want our hearts, God, to, to represent how good you are and how worthy you are. Father, would you forgive us for any way that we take you for granted? Lord, just forgive us. Lord, you are, you're, you're worth more than that to us and worthy of it. We say we love you and we worship you in this place. Be glorified and be magnified today. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.